0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the KV Pod. I'm your host, Daniel, and this is episode 16. Now, in this episode, my wife Shalina and I are going to be discussing the first chapter of a book that we've been reading together. The book is called 12 Rules for Life An Antidote to Chaos. This is a book by Jordan Peterson. Now, for those of you that may not be familiar, Jordan Peterson is a clinical psychologist who has grown quite a bit in prominence in the last few years. You may have heard of him on the media, on the internet, social media, that type of thing. Um, He's well known for his lectures on YouTube, actually, where he talks about things like leading a more meaningful life. He talks about gender and race issues. And of all things, he has an entire biblical series, uh, which is quite interesting. Um, Shalina and I found Peterson through podcasts that we listened to, and we really became interested in the things he had to say. And so we decided to get his book and discuss it. So in this episode, we are diving into Chapter 1, which the book is entitled 12 Rules for Life. So in Chapter 1, we're discussing Rule 1, and the first rule for life in this book is stand up straight with your shoulders back. And there's a whole discussion on how that phrase can be unpacked into a 30-page essay, which is what chapter one is, into how you can make your life more meaningful. And so Peterson is a prolific author, um, has a lot of insightful things to say about this topic, and pulls from a lot of different areas of study. He pulls from evolutionary biology, psychology, like I said, he's a therapist, and also from the Bible as well. And so we're really intrigued to discuss this, and we hope you guys enjoy hearing our conversation on this. So since this is a book, with a collection of chapters on different topics. I think this episode is going to be the first of many episodes where we're discussing this book. I don't want to call it a series because we're not necessarily going to release these episodes back to back to back. We're going to kind of intersperse them as we move forward. So we'll have other episodes where we talk about other things. But moving forward, we'd really like to get through this whole book and discuss all the chapters. So hope you guys are looking forward to this conversation. I know that I really enjoyed it. Okay, now before we get into the episode, I have a little bit of housekeeping I need to do. I just want to make a quick announcement just so that you're not taken by surprise. As a podcast creator, we are very much enjoying recording episodes for the KV Pod, having discussions, bringing on new guests. All of the things that go into this are super enjoyable and I'm just so grateful that I have this opportunity to have a show with my wife and my friends and and everything that goes into it. It's just really awesome. And part of wanting to make this show succeed is having it grow. Um, naturally, we don't have a podcast just to listen to ourselves talk, although we very much enjoy the conversations we have. The whole point of this is to have other people listen in to the discussions we're having. And so in order to grow the show, we need to reach new listeners. And The primary way that happens is by posting on social media. And as you probably know, we have an Instagram presence and a TikTok presence and would love for you guys to follow us there. Um, But we need to do a little bit better at posting to those platforms than we are currently with the pace of publishing episodes once a week and interacting with people on TikTok and Instagram is getting to be a lot and it's too much. And so I would rather slow things down in order to keep moving forward than to push ahead full steam ahead like we are and then burn out and lose everything and so all of that being said the announcement I have is that we are going to move from posting once a week to posting bi-weekly so we are going to now be releasing episodes every two weeks that way we are going to continue to post episodes, uh, have the discussions that we're having, which we really enjoy, but also give us some breathing room to post to TikTok, post to Instagram, and grow the show so that we can bring more people into the discussions that we're having. It doesn't make a lot of sense to have a bunch of podcast episodes that we're posting once a week super rapidly, but then have no one listening to it. So, We're going to now post every other week um, and hopefully increase our social media presence and allow the show to grow and reach more people by giving us some breathing room to post on social media. So if you're listening to this now, I want to thank you for listening. Please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. That in of itself helps us grow the show. Uh, Consider sharing an episode with someone that you think might enjoy it. And uh, we just really appreciate you listening. So enough of me talking. That was a little longer intro than usual. Let's get into the episode. Read,
1: yes, it says interviewer. How do you perform under pressure? Me, and then it has the music score. Dun 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 dun. And it, it's great because you have to take a second and like read the music to see what's going on, and then you realize it's the musical score to under pressure, and it's just beautiful. Cute, however, you told me that I could read you this book.
0: We're having a baby,
1: yes. <laughs> That's been established. If it
0: wasn't, if if you're just joining us, welcome to another episode. Uh, It's me and Shaleen today, and we're going to talk about a very adult book, not like in terms of maturity, but just like it's intense intellectual stuff. Yeah. But. First. Before we get to that, Shaleen is very excited about our baby, and we got a cute little kid book. Yeah. And she wanted to share with me, and we were like, well just read it on the podcast because it's a short little kids book here we go tell us about the book you'll Shalene. miss
1: out on the really cute uh illustrations but it's you're my little Cuddlebug by nicola edwards and
0: there's an adorable little and it's illustrated
1: by natalie marshall and my friend who got this for me said she found it at target so if you are just like riveted by the story it's where you can find it. <laughs> go to target So, you're my little ladybug. You brighten up my day. With rosy cheeks, you smile at me and chase my blues away. You're my baby bumblebee. You are so very sweet. You fill my days with lots of joy. Like, honey, you're a treat. Uh You're my caterpillar. You're ticklish through and through. Totally tickling tickling the child at that point. That's what that line is for. (laughs) I love to make you giggle and make me laugh, too. Oh, and you make me laugh, too. I'll work on reading this before he's born. My shining moon, my shooting star, you'd brighten any sky. There's no one who's more beautiful, my darling butterfly. So when the night is beetle black and daytime's at an end, we'll s- snuggle up two cuddle bugs and sleep, my little friend. Oh, cute. It's just cute. But I think the illustrations, honestly, really make it. And the way... Like on the first page of the rhyme about one of the an- one of the insects, it like has a cutout and has the bug sticking through the cutout and then you flip the page and there's like a mommy with the baby. Did you notice that?
0: Oh no, I didn't. I
1: so can't. like it first shows you just like the little baby, you're my baby bumblebee. Yeah, you are so very sweet. Cut out on one page. And then you flip the page baby and it has the, the mommy with the the it. Or the, the daddy. I mean, I don't I you can't tell
0: androgynous bug <laughs> it's a bug adult bug <laughs> we it's don't know if it's the mom or the dad <laughs> it's a larger
1: bug it could be an older sibling for all we know anyway that's cute yeah it's good anyway it's just really cute book I was like oh thanks awesome yeah all right great well,
0: well before we get into this I'm gonna pause this real quick I want to play back the audio sounds a little weird in my ear still yeah so I'm gonna pause and make sure it sounds good when I hit play Maybe it's just in our monitors and then we'll come back and get back with the episode. Sounds good. All right. We're back. Uh, Yeah. It sounds fine when I play back what we've said so far, but for some reason it sounds weird in our ears, but. Super weird. But. That's okay. Yeah. Anyway. Well, we, uh, funny thing, Shalene and I already recorded this episode. uh, (sighs) (laughs) That was a whole thing where we literally podcasted for like 80 minutes and then lost it. Yeah because i
1: spilled tea on the external hard drive
0: (laughs) at the at the beginning of recording too like we came up and it's like okay we're tired we're gonna podcast though we got some hot tea and then we accidentally dumped it and porcelain got burned yep and we kind of wiped it off the hard drive and it was like okay fine and then we recorded an entire episode and then go to save and it's like oh the save location is not found can't save it i was like okay and i just click like okay on the dialogue box on my computer and then it's just gone. I was like, great. And then the hard drive is like super hot. And I realize it's not actually like working with the computer. And I oh mean, it was a whole mess to get that fixed. So all that to say, we are re-recording this. Yeah. But this is something that I've wanted to talk about for, I don't know, several weeks, if not months, um, yeah. because we have a book that we've been starting to read together mm-hmm. from an individual that I've been learning a lot from just through YouTube and podcasts over the last Couple of years probably. Yeah. And so we thought this would be a good book, not only to discuss as a couple, but just to discuss on the podcast, um, hopefully with the idea of the listeners maybe gaining something from it as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you want to tell us what additionally?
1: Sure. It's Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life An Antidote to Chaos. Um, yeah. I've really enjoyed reading it with you. Yeah. It's, it's easy enough to like discuss as we're reading it. It's been another monster to try to discuss it.
0: A rig- little more packaged yes. as a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: I'm interested to see how this like second
0: take will go. Yeah, because we weren't super happy with how we did it the no, first time.
1: I was just relieved when you hit stop at the end of the last one. Partially, <laughs> sure, I was like, please just. Make it, it was make. a
0: lot of me talking and not us discussing yeah and so we're, we're working on doing it better but anyway i want to get right into it but we probably need to give some background on peterson a little bit and Go the book it. itself just because we haven't done that officially because that was on the other subo- episode that got lost but anyway yeah jordan peterson is um i think more popular now on the internet um, just for some things that have gone on at the university he he was or if not is a professor at the i think the university of toronto he's canadian um, and so there was some political stuff going on and he spoke out against that and the media didn't like that. And so there's this whole thing blowing up. Um, but then people found his YouTube channel and really like his lectures. Um, and so he has grown considerably in prominence in the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, and he's he's been on Joe Rogan's podcast several times, um, which, you know, just I say that just to say that gets you notoriety just because that's a big podcast. But. Peterson is a clinical psychologist um, by training, um, is very interested in, um, I don't know, tyrannical government, communism. He studied a lot about uh, Soviet Union, things along those lines. He has a lot to say about the psychological differences between men and women, Mm -hmm. how that plays out in the workplace, how that plays out in culture. Um, He likes to... To talk about uh, taking on personal responsibility and how you can improve your own life by understanding yourself and, and things along that. And then also, of all things, he is, I'll just say, a huge fan of the Bible in, a, in the sense that he has studied it very deeply, mm-hmm. has an entire lecture series on it that is hours and hours long. Just if you add up all the lectures, like each one is at least two hours sure multiply that by i don't know several lectures going through that um and so just a very interesting person i think yeah uh, well and even yeah. more
1: interesting because he approaches it from like a clinical psychologist evolutionary perspective yeah and so kind of a secular per- yeah. perspective
0: but biblically affirming like yes. affirming the bible so it's like it's very it's interesting secular, but it's not secular S- yeah
1: so he talks about how it's all like Great stuff and the distilled wisdom of humanity and yet he would not claim to be a Christian and would not claim like he says that he lives his life as if there were a God.
0: And as if the Bible's true. Sure. But won't take the next step to say that God is a literal being. Right. That we literally can have a personal relationship. Which is
1: weird because if the Bible is true, Jesus says, like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Like, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that if you're really living like it's literally true. And I think that's the distinction. That he sees it as a literary text of distilled wisdom. And so you can interpret it all in a literary right. sense
0: he so so like for example Jesus tells parables right which are not literal stories but they are stories that have a moral to them sure and so I if I can characterize this correctly I think Peterson views the entire Bible kind of like that yeah where instead of God giving the inspiration for man to write it down rather it's the what what Shalene said the collective distilled wisdom of men over centuries and centuries and centuries and millennia kind of like an evolutionary point that we've put all this together of like this is how you should live your life this is the correct way to live this is what our moral compass should be so it's still truth but it's truth in a different sense from what maybe your typical protestant evangelical christian would say so it's just very interesting to hear him talk about it Um, because he's for the Bible, but he comes at it from an interesting angle.
1: Well, you've been listening to a new person. Um, Doug. Doug. Oh, Doug Wilson. Doug Wilson. Yeah, he's a
0: Christian guy. (laughs) Yes. Sorry.
1: Anyway, well, it was interesting because he was commenting on an interview with Peterson. Yeah. And he, after listening to it, he quoted. Was it Jesus? I think so. With Pilate? You are not very far from the truth he said some quote yeah it's it like you're me not far like, from the kingdom it makes me think of Agrippa where it's like you have almost persuaded me but that's not the right story mm. I think it is he did quote like Jesus like you're not far
0: from the truth <laughs> we'll have to go back and find that quote <laughs> anyway but it's like Peterson is so close but
1: he's like so close but, but not, not there
0: not like yeah and so, so it's very interesting. we
1: are hoping that he'll get there and be yeah. there I don't know it's cool I enjoy listening to his thoughts and find myself agreeing with most of what he says yeah
0: like I mean his I don't know for us not being a question notwithstanding like he still has extremely insightful things to say about all the stuff he talks about
1: yeah
0: um, and is extremely intelligent and a prolific writer yeah and so this book that we're going to go through the 12 rules for life and antidote to chaos um, is basically a collection of essays that he wrote Yeah, that are 12 pieces of advice that he would give to people that are based on his understanding of psychology mm-hmm. and the human mind, basically. Yeah,
1: well, in the story of the book's... Genesis and coming into being Is that like he was on Quora And somebody asked like what makes life Purposeful and meaningful yeah And he just like made a list really quick And it blew up on Quora yeah. And so from there he was like huh I wonder if this could be a book. And so then it like grew to be like 27 and then he windle- whittled it back down to 12. Um, I also didn't realize this was published in 2018. So it's still fairly new. Mm, okay. Which then makes sense why it's still talked about on like every podcast that he's on currently mm. and every interview yeah. is. Yeah. I don't
0: I don't know the numbers on it, but I know this book has sold like all over the world. It has been translated into like a zillion different languages. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's 12 essays. Um, how to live your life better um, make it more meaningful Mm -hmm. and it's based in human psychology and his understanding of that but it's also informed by evolutionary biology Mm -hmm. and his understanding of scripture and so he brings all of those three things into one essay at a time in a chapter to try to convince you of like if you will do this thing your life will be r- better for these reasons. So it's, it's right. very interesting and you know I mean we're just approaching this with an open mind as something to discuss and to get his perspective. I mean we're not necessarily going to just agree flat out dogmatically no. with everything he says but I think it's just very interesting to hear and discuss yeah. what he has to say. Well
1: and I think just like Cora and what he found there like lists of these kind of things like, are just catchy. So right. it's, there's kind of a hook hmm. already embedded in yeah. just the idea.
0: Because each essay is 30 pages. Yeah, it's a lot. But <laughs> it can also be distilled down to one sentence, which yes. is each chapter title. Yes. And so on Cora, that's probably what he had is like these yes. one, one-liners. Yes. But then this man... Can unpack stuff and he'll just, he can unpack something 30 pages. into 30 pages of, of writing. And so, yeah. Yeah. So, it's very interesting.
1: Are you ready to jump in to y- chapter one?
0: Yes. Um, let's do it. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, chapter one is rule one stand up straight with your shoulders back.
0: All right. That's the chapter. End of the discussion. No. Seriously? <laughs> uh,
1: so, last time we learned our lesson that it would take us the full hour plus some to just even. Retell you what he says in this chapter Right So we learn from that hopefully So we're going to take a step back further And tell you if you want to know everything he said Read the book Right I mean We're not going to retell it to you um, We are just going to super zoom out Give a less detailed overview yeah. I
0: don't want to glaze over the whole thing No But I also don't want to take an hour to just say what Because we want to discuss, no. discuss yeah. his thoughts
1: So He begins talking about just how there is a dominance hierarchy in nature, in the world, in the way things work. And he this man is excellent at using example upon example, upon example, upon example. So he starts with lobsters. And if you listen to any of the interviews he does, often this is referenced as his lobster chapter. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, he uses lobsters. He uses wrens, chickens, wolves, In just the animal kingdom to talk about how there are those on top and those not right (laughs) or at the
0: bottom so what so what he's doing is that each chapter is kind of structured into into thirds is -hmm. kind of what I picked up we're only into the second chapter but I'm, I'm noticing a pattern of like the first third of the essay is him trying to convince you of how the world works in some way he'll just be like this is how this works and here's a bunch of examples why yep The middle part of the chapter is kind of this is what happens if you don't attend to it, Mm -hmm. and then the third part of the chapter or the last part of the essay is okay. Here's what you can do about it to make your life more meaningful. Right. And so in this in this chapter, we're talking about dominance hierarchies, which you might think, okay, dominance hierarchy, it sounds kind of tyrannical and kind of crazy. But all of that means is is that in a certain domain, in a certain area of life, whether it's human life or even animal life. Mm there are those that are more successful than others right and so he spends a great deal of this chapter talking about lobsters birds um people writing books music all of these things where even though there's a wide population of people or animals or whatever doing something not everyone is equally successful Mm -hmm. and not only is it unequal it's extremely unequal
1: yeah and disproportionate yeah
0: and so and so the reason he brings up animals is he's pulling in the evolutionary biology aspect of saying like this this, has
1: been around forever
0: and it's not a social construct and so he really tries to set up the point of like okay i'm not he's not trying to address something that is new and by new i mean 100 years old 50 years old 20 years old 200 years old yeah He's, he's trying to say that no this way things are where there is unequal success in a certain domain goes back if you look at it from an evolutionary point of view this goes back millions and millions and and millions of years and predates humans and and so he's talking about the animals to make the point that like this is just almost inherent in our lives right
1: which do you do you think that that point is necessary because of the culture we find ourselves in where there's such an argument for like equal outcome and things like that where he's like, Okay, I need to establish just how long this been this has been around. Yeah. So that you'll even I don't know. I just it's see hard, an interplay yeah. there because that's a big thing he talks about too, is yeah. like equal outcome versus equal opportunity. Yeah, so this da, is da, da, some this
0: is something that comes up in his interviews all the time right. when people are interviewing him.
1: Because it's a huge topic today.
0: It is, because it is a widely accepted idea that if there is disparate representation mm-hmm. or success across identity groups then there is inherently or automatically discrimination right so if there are fewer women in stem or science mm-hmm. that that means there's sexism at play right if there are fewer black individuals represented in this I don't know, sector of society, then there's racism at play. Yeah. You know, and all of those things. Yeah. And so, and so a lot of people today just that's just kind of the mainstream
1: conversation
0: idea. Well, the mainstream idea with regard to that is if there's unequal representation, then that means there is discrimination. Right something socially or culturally wrong which could be the case in a lot of ways and there's I mean there's endless examples of how that could be an example but the interesting thing that Peterson says is that well it could be that and it might be that in a lot of cases but there's a lot of other factors that go into what people do with their lives and whether or not they succeed it's not just social issues or political issues there are biological things at play here right and so relating to this idea of dominance hierarchy um this is not just a human issue this is an animal issue and there's actually a bunch of non-living examples of this yes
1: well first and i'll we get gotta, into that eventually yeah but yeah i was just yes so from there yes that was going off into a whole side thing that isn't addressed directly in this chapter but it just made me my brain sees all the ties. Sure. It's tied I to I don't that. know if he
0: wrote <laughs> this book directly in response to our culture is mm, now. Yeah, I doubt it. It might have been the other way where he wrote it. And because it happens to be contrary to the mainstream view, it interacts. everyone was like freaking out like, yeah. oh my gosh, this guy is like crazy. He's like patriarchal, yeah, know. you know, anti-women, yeah. you know, whatever, which is hmm. the farthest thing. If If you listen to him, that's the farthest yeah. thing of what he is. Okay. But yeah, so this idea of dominance hierarchies. Yes. um, Dominance just means success. Mm -hmm. Are you successful in this area?
1: Well, and then he brings up, let me turn. He brings up the idea of Price's Law, um, which is a specific instance of a Pareto distribution um, where it's just like there's unequal distribution. And that happens in finances, Um, he uses, like, the examples of the majority of scientific papers are published by a very small group of scientists. A tiny proportion of musicians produces almost all the recorded commercial music. Just a handful of authors sell all the books. Similarly, just four classical composers, Bach, Beethoven, Mozart, and Tchaikovsky, wrote almost all the music played by modern orchestras. So he just uses several different areas, um in that way to show price's law and then goes further to talk about then like Daniel really likes bringing up the non-human aspects of like the population of cities, a very small number have almost all the people, the massive heavenly bodies, a very small number hoard all the matter. Um, and the frequency of words in our language, like 90% of communication occurs using just 500 words, according to like, I'm quoting directly from his book currently. Um, and then he even goes on to say, sometimes it's known as the Matthew principle from Matthew twenty five twenty nine, 29. Um, and he says, derived from what might be the harshest statement ever attributed to Christ. Quote, to those who have everything, more will be given. From those who have nothing, everything will be taken. Um, and then... He builds a lot on the lobster thing. And so, this next line I just have to throw in. And if you read the book, you'll have a deeper appreciation. But <laughs> he makes a quip of, like, you truly know you are the son of God when your dicta apply even to crustaceans. Um, just because that thing of goes back to the lobsters and the wrens and the chickens and the wolves that he's mentioned previously. Um,
0: yeah. Right. So, so this idea that, um, so what Shalene was bringing up with, like, prices lost. So this, these disparities in success can be mathematically represented. Yes. And so um, if you were to, like, graph, you know, all of the things that Shalene listed of, like, who sells the books and how many words in the English language are or, like, how many celestial bodies have a certain amount of mass which it's kind of weird to think of mass as being a success but it it follows this kind of curve where a very small percentage of the group has a highly disproportionate amount of whatever we're talking about in terms of success and so if you were to look imagine a graph the y-axis going up and the x-axis going across the x-axis is the number of people That have a certain level of success and then the y-axis going up is how successful they are Mm -hmm. and so the shape of this graph is that it swoops down from the upper left Mm -hmm. and like slides down and gets really flat Mm -hmm. as you go across um, the bottom from left to right and so the idea being that on the left side of the graph where it's really steep and really high you have a few people that are extremely successful Mm -hmm. whereas everyone else is kind of you know, spread out, you know, in the less successful range. And so um, the stark thing about this is that it's not um, like a linear relationship. And so the idea with Price's Law here, Price's Law says that the square root of the people do half of the work. I think, or produce half that? of the output. Was that in here? Uh, I mean, he talks about it in podcasts, I think, is what it is. Um, okay. You could try to find it in there.
1: Because I was trying to distinguish what the difference, because he mentions Price's Law Yeah, if we Yeah, if we're, we're going to get into the specific... mathematics
0: of it, Price's Law is a specific type of Pareto distribution. Right. Pareto being named after the guy. But he doesn't go into that in this chapter. In. Okay, so I've listened to podcasts about that. So, like, if you have a oh, thousand our people. Our nerd
1: is showing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sorry. If you have a thousand people working at a company. Yes. According to Price's law, a hundred of them. them, Square root, no, ten.
1: Yeah, ten times ten is a hundred. I lose. I haven't done math in a
0: while. What's the square root of a thousand? Is it a hundred? Because a hundred times a hundred is not that.
1: One two. No, that'd be ten thousand.
0: This is painful.
1: This is painful. (laughs) Forgive us.
0: Well, let's just do a (laughs) hundred. We can't do math. Square root of a hundred is ten. Ten people are doing half the work. Oh no,
1: that's so embarrassing.
0: Sorry. So out of 100 people, 10 people are doing half the work. And 90 people are doing the other half. Right, exactly. And so the idea is that um, a small amount of the people are are having success or doing the output of that sort of thing. Yeah. And so, um, and then of course the most classic example would be wealth, Mm -hmm. like financial wealth. Sure. And so this, so one fact of, All cultures ever, this is for capitalists, this is for uh, socialists, communists, monarchies, empires. Every every single society that has ever existed Mm -hmm. has an unequal financial outcome of its citizens. Right. And so that's just very interesting that a very few people have very high economic success and the rest don't. And that is completely independent of governmental form. Which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That is interesting. Okay. I'm curious because I was getting ready to move forward into the next section, but you mentioned, okay, so we've established, he has three different sections in his essays. The first is setting up that like, this is a tale as old as time. The second is like, this is what happens when it goes wrong. And then the third is like, here's what you can do about it in your own life. Yeah. What would you say? Are we to the point yet? of where he discusses like this is where what happens when it goes wrong. Like where do what what do you think in this chapter speaks to that?
0: Well, I mean, yeah, we'll get there. That j- he gets into okay. hormones and being at the bottom of the hierarchy is physically dangerous. Well,
1: because what I'm about to move on to and maybe you don't want to yet is the idea that okay, so we have this disproportionate d- distribution of success, if you will. And then moving on into how he says each of us, a tale of old as, t- as old as time, has an internal scale that rates where we are. Right. In that.
0: Yeah. Whole. Yeah. I'll just, spectra. I want to mention one thing and then we can go to that. of oh, yeah. Like, did you mention the specific verse in the Bible that talks yes. about this? Okay. Because it's the Matthew yes. 25, 29. The Matthew okay. principle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But did you say what that was? Like what Jesus literally said? Yes. Okay. Sorry if I missed that. It's okay. Yeah, because in the parable of the talents, you've got the three people who get entrusted with something, one with ten, one with five, and one with one, and it's interesting at the end of that story, Jesus takes from the one who was unfaithful and gives it not to the one who had five, but to the one who had ten. He gives it to the guy at the top, Mm -hmm. which seems very unfair. Mm
1: -hmm. It's like
0: okay, God, what are you trying to say with this story? It's like mm-hmm. you're giving – it, it makes sense that you would take away from someone who's irresponsible. Sure. Right? If someone is irresponsible with what you've given them, you're not going to give them more and maybe take it away. Okay. But then why would you give it to the one who already has the most? Why wouldn't you give it to the middle person and kind of even it out? But without me going into a theological study of it, I haven't studied that out. What Peterson is saying, at least in part, is that this uh, – parable in the Bible is in alignment or consistent with this natural, um, state of affairs that we see in so many areas of our world. So, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so, yeah, going into what Shaleen was kind of queuing up there is dominance is how successful you are in a certain area. And so not only is this all around us, Mm -hmm. but it's inside of us. Yes, and what I mean by that is that Peterson then brings up mm-hmm. uh, endocrinology, if I could say it that way. Our hormone system, our brains are literally wired to keep track of where we stand in the hierarchy, and and what 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 he means by that is our status. Mm-hmm. Are we an upstanding, successful human that people respect? And we have things to say and people should listen to us and we have good relationships and and we're moving up in life. Or are we defeated and shy and in a downward spiral and self-deprecating and low self-esteem? Is that what's happening? And that's not only just a social facet of our lives. That's a hormonal facet of our lives. Mm-hmm. And so I won't get too much into it, but he talks about there's two hormones right. that will make you feel... These two different ways Mm -hmm. of being upright and and um, I don't know prominent or confident confident serotonin which is serotonin and and it's interesting that again this this is true for lobsters. Yeah. So he talks about this very unsophisticated relatively unsophisticated creatures. These are sea bugs you know um, have this in their brains. Right. So all the more us sophisticated mammals you know is, is his idea. And so serotonin makes you feel confident. It makes you physically stand up taller. And even lobsters that have higher levels of serotonin will move around in such a way that they are bigger.
1: They're flexed.
0: Yeah. And if they get in a fight with another male lobster, they fight longer because they believe in themselves. It's kind of weird to say a lobster believes in itself. but I mean. But like if you do an experiment, they literally fight longer to maintain their status. And humans do the same way. They stand up different. So it physically affects us, Mm -hmm. serotonin. Whereas the opposite,
1: octopamine,
0: octopamine, which is a hormone I hadn't heard of, um, but it, it makes you feel defeated. Mm -hmm. Um, You give up easier Mm -hmm. in more easily in the face of hardship. Mm -hmm. Um, You're less likely to take risks or try new things. Um, And so, and so our brains are wired to think this way if i can put it that way even though it's it's kind of it's more subliminal than literally thinking about it yeah but we're wired to
1: to recognize to where rec- we stand yeah i think would be a good a, way to say that it. That is
0: a good way of saying it and the funny thing he also said so like for example uh, apparently prozac is a depression medication that has yeah, serotonin antidepressant antidepressant um he says it works on lobsters fun fact <laughs> so you know like the thing the the hormones that work on us work in them and in his point again in bringing this up is that this is ubiquitous Mm-hmm. This is something that all types of creatures deal with, not just us humans. It's not a social construct. This is just biology. Yeah. So pretty interesting. Yeah. Well,
1: and I think from there, then he talks about, like, the next thing that I have highlighted is then the problem, the point right, two right, of right. the so, fact that the bottom of the di- dominance hierarchy is a terrible, dangerous place to be, in the words of Peterson. Yeah. Um. And... That there can just be like downward spirals down there because if you're if you're stressed, you're always on edge. Like the hormones contribute to that because you always need to be prepared to handle an emergency because hmm. they those happen a lot yeah. when you're at the bottom. And then that then just leads to more stress and more and it just cycles mm-hmm. and cycles and cycles and you're never in an upward spiral.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, whereas if you're at the top things are going well, you can breathe more easily, you feel more confident around people, you can make better relationships, and that then allows you to have more success in those relationships and they go better and things go well for you, which then feeds back into you being less stressed and more like chill with the world. (laughs) And so it's like a positive and upward spiraling feedback
0: loop. Right, and so the the, the idea of this feedback loop Mm
1: -hmm. in both
0: directions, Um, I think also speaks to the disproportionate distribution of, like, yeah. there's not—I mean, there's people in the middle, but you're either spiraling upward or you're spiraling downward. You're not just kind of casually moving forward or casually moving backward.
1: At least in the way that he presented it.
0: Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, and and if you just think about the mathematical representation of it, it seems— Sure. —seems to indicate that as well.
1: I— I get that it's a mathematical thing, but I know that there's a lot there that like, how is that they observed this just across nature or yes. it's literally a mathematical thing that just came from...
0: No. What you do is you go out and you observe all the things. Okay, yes. And you then... You plot all the dots. Mathematically. And then the dots make this graph. Okay. Yeah, I just didn't know, know if it around.
1: was like they were in Foundations of Mathematics and they're like, whoa, this is the, the, the... What's it called? The proof for this thing and... Well
0: uh. it's either experimentally derived from data or it's proven from a proof so it it would be true either way but sure. the way these types of things work is you go out you get all the observations you plot them on a graph and you go hey look it's a pareto distribution <laughs> as and and that's not to say that everything in the universe is a pareto distribution right. right like well
1: just how many things did pareto have to plot before they were like yo we'll name it after you now
0: well pareto was looking at economics yeah. So if you go and look into that, he was not looking at everything in the universe that okay. follows his distribution. He was like, hey, this is an economic observation I'm making in terms of. And then
1: Price is the one who took it further.
0: I don't and know. And that's the I point that
1: Peterson. I don't. This is just I'm intrigued by this. I don't. I I'm curious how what the history of that is. But we're way yeah. past that. I'm sorry. <laughs> But yeah. <laughs> just curious so
0: so Peterson says if you're at the bottom of the hierarchy that's a terrible place to be right to take it even further and he gets into this in the book is it's not only is it terrible like you just feel bad about yourself mm. is if you are actually in a place where you have low self-esteem mm-hmm. you have a defeated mindset yeah and that and maybe you do have legitimate trauma in your life maybe you have had an actual, Right. Rough upbringing, a rough life and things actually have gone bad for you. That is definitely real. Some real and something can be many people's story. But if you really are toward the bottom, not only is it just like you feel bad, you are in a physically, physically dangerous position, position in life. Yeah. People who are toward the bottom of the hierarchy in terms of status if we can just say general status because you can apply this to different areas of life but if we could just kind of say generally in life um, you're more likely to be addicted to drugs yes you probably don't have a job Mm-hmm. You probably don't have friends mm-hmm. You don't have family Or if you do it's not a healthy situation Right Kind of thing Well and in so, like
1: shorter life expectancy Yeah just shorter like life expectancy All kinds of
0: stuff More likely to have health issues mm-hmm. And then because you can't deal You don't have money or resources to deal with those health issues Then you have worse health issues Yeah So it, it all spirals down It all downward. snowballs And so this is not just like oh, I'm going to write this essay because it'll help you feel better. It's like, no, this this, is life. (laughs) This can apply to your physical health and physical safety as a person. Right. If we're talking about someone who is struggling with life to that degree. And and I know that he personally would have a lot of experience with this because, again, he's a clinical psychologist. So he has done therapy. Oh, yeah with i don't know i'm guessing hundreds of people if not thousands in his decades of i would think practice he's probably worked with thousands of people um and he talks about some stories of people who have very low intelligence like and did not do well in school and have terrible family situations and are homeless and and so like there are legitimate um major things in life that go with being low on this quote-unquote dominance hierarchy and again dominance I just mean status and like doing well in life it's not Mm -hmm. dominance in terms of like I control the world that's not what he means by dominance it's just having a successful life right so
1: yeah do you I'm again going to move us forward unless you have something else that you want to add here. no
0: I don't think I have anything on my notes that I want to hit but but so so at this point in the discussion it's like oh my gosh this is kind of crazy. And he asked an interesting question of like, if you thought of everyone in the world, where would you rank? Right. You know, are you the most successful, happy person on the planet? Or do you have the literal worst life of the on the planet? Yeah. And I think you and I are far from both extremes. But I mean. I don't know. Are we.
1: I'd say we're way closer to the y-axis.
0: Yeah. Let's unpack that for a minute. Okay. Oh, closer to the y-axis. Yeah. Like, so higher up. Yeah. So above five. What? On a scale from 1 to 10, sorry. Oh, in my head, yes. I was doing on a scale when from 1 to 10. Yes, 10 is
1: the worst. I was on the Pareto distribution, obviously, still.
0: 10 being the best.
1: No, and chapter 10 is the worst.
0: Oh, so, okay, we'll flip it. Number yeah. 1 is the best. Yes. I'm number 1 in the world. Right. Okay, so below 5. So closer to 1. We're above
1: 5. <laughs> no, oh, below 5. Oh, <laughs> yeah. If we just had a, wow, all right, bear with us, people. We're getting our mental pictures aligned. Yes, below five.
0: Why would you say that, Chalene?
1: Why would I say that? Because I feel like it's a meme almost even to just see the population versus... Uh, financial distribution in the world and how the U.S. is at like the number one spot yeah. among countries, uh-huh. and so within our country that is like stereotypically successful, we live a comfortable life,
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: And I think that that speaks volumes,
0: yeah. A really interesting thing that I keep on my computer just to help keep me per- give me perspective is that. If you make more than $30,000 a year as an individual, Mm -hmm. you are in the top 10% of the world in terms of income. Mm -hmm. And so I think as Americans or as middle class people, we like to be like, oh, the 1% or the top 10% those people up there. It's like, well,
1: that's actually you. You might be that person
0: (laughs) if you look at it from a global perspective. Yeah. You know. Um, Yeah. And then. Probably if not if you compare it to all humans who have lived throughout history right you might even rank in a higher percentile yeah. but so that's just economics but what about like our family life like you and I have amazing families yes and we're very blessed by that yes we've been educated mm-hmm. uh, we have music in our lives like we can play music and enjoy that right um, we've done sports we've enjoyed that we're both relatively physically healthy we have access to... I'm not. That wasn't a me versus you. That was just. Sorry, both I gave Daniel. You gave a weird me a look. <laughs> like, <laughs> Continue. <laughs> uh, we have good food. Yeah. We have friends. Like we do. This is not just a money discussion. Right. This it's is just like literally our life, life is good and yeah. there's
1: satisfaction. And
0: our life's not perfect. No. But my goodness, we are. Yeah. I th- okay, I think you're right, Chalene. Like we.
1: I. Yeah.
0: And if you're listening to this podcast, you know
1: chances are you too
0: (laughs) are doing well you know and again like we deal with really hard things and i'm not trying to minimize things that people might have gone through Mm -hmm. or things that we've gone through
1: but just taking a larger perspective yeah yeah
0: of like there's a lot to be grateful for yeah and 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 uh it's good to keep that in perspective i think
1: yeah well okay I want to take it a certain direction, but the next section that Peterson talks about, and I'm curious how you want to tie this in, is how... We don't have
0: to go. We we should go our direction. We don't have to, like, follow the book.
1: Okay. All right. Well, I was just going to say from that, he talks about, like, in the third section of Daniel's breakdown, if you will, like, what you can do about it is, like, you can... Act more confidently because when you act more confidently, when you put, stand up straight with your shoulders back, when you do that, you then can contribute to an upward feed, like a positive feedback loop where things are going better for you. And I underlined, I wanted to read because it was really cool what he was saying. Oh, too far. Un momento. Lo siento. Huh. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I can't find it.
0: Hmm. I just remember him talking in the book about how. I mean, there's even TED talks about this. If you you know, you, if you look up power posing, they'll be like, if yes, you, if you make yourself stand up straight, or if you you know look in the mirror and smile, or look determined you know, for five minutes a day, like you will actually feel better and this will help your mental health. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's research that shows that that actually works. Well, and it goes back to this idea of we have the ability to affect our own serotonin levels. Yeah. In the brain. And so if you act confident, people are more likely to treat you with respect and like, you know what you're talking about. Right. And it's not saying I'm not saying fake it till you make it. People, I think, like to jump to that. It's not like faking it. But it's like, no, it's like I'm a person. And I'm going to take responsibility for my life and I want to be the best that I can be. Yeah. Maybe I don't have a lot, but gosh, I'm going to do my best. Yeah. And instead of giving up before I've tried, I'm going to try and really give it my best shot. Whatever, whatever the thing is that you're working on in life. Yeah. And the more that you do that, the more likely that people will reciprocate with those sentiments.
1: Well, and believe it about you. Right. Right. Yeah. And reinforce it. Well, the reason that I was going to go that direction, I still can't find the quote, but because it crossed my mind of like when I hear like, oh, well, if you you enter a situation confidently, even when you may not feel confident, like things will go better for you yep. and just things like that. Um, because I noticed that in my own life, that that's just my approach, that even when I don't know what's going on, I'm like, ah, they're humans. This will be great. And I just, we go into that. But then after our discussion of like, where are we on the scale? It makes me wonder, like, maybe that's not a personal strength of mine. It's just like, no, I'm I'm close enough to one on the scale that I'm already in that upward spiraling loop Mm -hmm. where that's way easy for me to do because it's worked out in my favor time and time and time and time again. Yeah. Because that's just where I sit.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's that's just can be the interplay of nature and nurture. Yeah. Of like we were born into like pretty stable families mm-hmm. and stable communities and things like that. And mm-hmm. so we have we, – we started life with a push forward. Yeah. You know, as opposed to like a pushback or, yeah. um, you know, we, we had a head start kind of thing. Yeah. Obviously, we have the ability to direct our lives. Sure. And we could spiral them into chaos if we were irresponsible and made poor decisions and wanted to be – um I don't know, defeated or have that type of mindset. But if you capitalize, if we capitalize on the good things that we've already received, then There you go. How much how much farther forward can we go in life? Yeah. So yeah.
1: Yawning. Sorry. Um, I want to bring this up because I really want to see what you have to say about it. He Peterson brings up um the idea that sometimes people are bullied so these people at the bottom because they can't fight back as opposed to just as often people are bullied because they won't fight back and then he says this happens not infrequently to people who are by temperament compassionate and self-sacrificing it also happens to people who have decided for one reason or another that all forms of aggression including even feelings of anger are morally wrong um You just, as we were reading through this, you really held on to this. I
0: think this is the most, personally, this is the most interesting part of the chapter for me. Okay. And so, because what he's going into is like, yes, um, we can have setbacks in life, Mm -hmm. but what from the quote you just read, he's also kind of asserting and implying that there are behaviors that you are doing Mm -hmm. as the reader that are facilitating where you are in life
1: yeah well could be it's equally as
0: possible sure again yeah so but it's something to consider of like hmm maybe instead of my life situation being the cause of everything around me yeah maybe there's things that i'm doing or things that i'm believing things Mm -hmm. that i'm thinking about how people work that are facilitating this yeah so yeah it's interesting how he says like some people are bullied because they just are in that situation but then yeah he says people that believe the best of others no matter what or if you believe that all aggression ever is always wrong well you're not only will you not be mean to people but you also won't stand up for yourself
1: right well because I have another I'm gonna just read this paragraph and bear with me people if it's a little deep but also welcome to Peterson so he says with their capacity for aggression straight-jacketed within a too narrow morality Those who are only or merely compassionate and self-sacrificing and naive and exploitable (laughs) cannot call forth the genuinely righteous and appropriately self-protective anger necessary to defend themselves. If you can bite, you generally don't have to. When skillfully integrated, the ability to respond with aggression and violence decreases rather than increases the probability that actual aggression will become necessary.
0: Can you reread the first part of that sentence?
1: the first part of the sentence or of the paragraph the sentence the ability to respond with aggression and violence
0: yeah okay so that's interesting he says the ability to respond with aggression decreases. it it just makes you
1: think it makes me think of how you've encouraged me to take self-defense classes (laughs) not because I need to go beat somebody up but because like my ability to defend myself decreases rather than increases the probability that actual aggression will become necessary And how I'm over here where then he talks about like naive, harmless people usually guide their perceptions and actions with a few simple axioms that people are basically good. No one really wants to hurt anyone else. The threat and certainly the use of force, physical or otherwise, is wrong. However, so that's that's where I I would fall under naive, I think, not fully, fully believing everything because I've seen some rough stuff. Yeah. But like I would prefer to default to these beliefs Mm. Um also biblically they're not true people are not inherently good so there's that sure. but but you know I prefer to live my life
0: assuming, trusting people uh, assuming the best yeah
1: and so he says these axioms collapse or worse in the presence of individuals who are genuinely male- malevolent excuse me worse um means that naive beliefs can become a posi- positive invitation to abuse because those who aim to harm have become specialized to prey on people who think precisely such things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how even just a recognition of the aggression and even he uses the term like evil within yourself.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Just a recognition of that. Protects you in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It's just and very interesting.
0: And when I think when we use the term aggression. yeah we our minds go straight to physical aggression Mm. which is fair and you brought up self-defense classes and like sure that's because that's where my
1: brain goes first yes
0: right that's where our brains go when we hear that word but continue i think this applies more broadly to areas of our life that are not necessarily physical altercations okay where uh, like how he says if you can bite you don't have to and so maybe I mean, it's still, again, a physical aggression. But but even like in situations where like if you don't stand up for yourself in your friendships, mm-hmm. maybe you are you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Mm-hmm. And and, um, you know, if I just let you decide, you'll choose what's best for me. You know, everyone in my life or um, you, you know, get
1: pushed until right. there's a problem.
0: Exactly. Um, I don't want to say anyone that would make anyone upset. Or say anything that would make anyone upset. Um, I don't want to disagree with anyone. Right. Because conflict is bad. Yeah. And aggression is bad. Well, and, and And then things like that. And and what he's saying is that that type of mindset only causes, hurts you. Yeah. It hurts well, you. Well, and
1: he really, he he makes the statement that it's just really, it's really as simple as just like saying what you mean. And standing and sticking to it, like it also makes me think of you in your classroom with your students. How you've realized that, it, yeah. hey, if I have these stricter rules and I say it and I stick to it, it helps us no. all in actually, the long run. I'm
0: really glad you brought that up. Yeah, can I talk about that? Yeah, because like, okay, wow, that's actually a really good example. So like, as <laughs> a teacher, thank you, thank You're you. You're welcome. As a teacher, wow, I've had to learn this. Okay, yeah, so let's talk about that. Um, Shalene's <laughs> like, yeah, real life example, happiness. Um. One of my weaknesses as a teacher mm-hmm. is setting firm and clear boundaries and then enforcing them. Yeah. Um, and that kind of correlates with one of my strengths as a teacher is mm-hmm. building positive relationships with my students. Sure. Is that I'm very approachable. Mm-hmm. I'm very agreeable. Mm-hmm. I can get along with a lot of different types of students, yes. a lot of different personalities and stuff. And not only can I, but I really want to be on my student's good side. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I absolutely don't want to be is that teacher that the students are like, oh, Mr. Floyd's just mean. He's strict and he never listens. He doesn't understand us. He's just in his own teacher world. And like, we're not going to be authentic with him and really have a meaningful relationship with him just because. He just wants us to follow rules and he's mean or whatever like like that's the absolute thing I don't want to be right and so in my natural state I will overcompensate to the other direction where it's like I'll tell you to stop talking and to put your phone away
1: but you're not going to do anything about it
0: but if they keep it out I'm not going to like stop the lesson right and enforce my boundary right Um you'll you realize that you can get away with stuff sure and this was especially true my first year of teaching <laughs> um, it was just it was not good because I'd have kids that would push boundaries they would talk out of turn they'd be on their phone I would like be like, okay, here's an assignment. I want you to work on it. They're like, well, can I, and I'd be like, you're in your desk. And they'd be like, well, can I go over in this part of the room and work? And I'd be like, well, I guess. And then, well, can I do this also? Can I work in the hall? Can I do this and talk? And then, and it just escalates. And because I don't have the fortitude to say, no, this is what I said. This is what I mean. And if you don't listen, there's going to be consequences. My inability to do that led to me having several class periods of like total chaos. Mm. And it wasn't like my whole first year of teaching was crazy, but like
1: several days sever- out of the first year. Oh my
0: goodness. And especially with some of the younger students mm-hmm. um or maybe the the more misbehaved students. Yeah. Um I had some lessons like Go up in flames just because, like, and I, I've, I literally had kids like screaming at each other sometimes because mm-hmm. we'd be playing a game and there'd be chitter and then they're, you know, chitter chatter and talking and disagreeing and this, and I'd just be like, stop, stop, and then and ask, and now we're like fighting. Yeah. Because I, as the teacher, don't have the ability to say no. Right. Follow what I've said.
1: And so in the long run, to come back to what Peterson was saying, that hurts you as the teacher. Yeah. Your lesson goes up in flames. Yeah. But then also, interestingly enough, it hurts the whole like it hurts those under your authority. It hurts
0: the rest of the kids in your classroom. And this, and this is the thing that really hit me mm-hmm. in my first year of teaching is like I would be thinking like, OK, there's a kid who doesn't like science. Mm-hmm. He's missed he or she is misbehaving, doesn't do their work, talks to their friends, is on their phone. They just don't like science, you know, but they would like this class if we did fun things or whatever. Like that's Mm -hmm. kind of the story in the back of my head of like, if we just watched movies or whatever, they would enjoy it. But then like, because I was such a pushover and we like, I didn't let them watch movies, but like things would get out of hand. When things started to fall apart, what I noticed, and I noticed this, they didn't even like being in that class anymore. Right. Because things would get so... The kids that you were trying
1: to cater to.
0: Yeah, the kids that were like misbehaving, it would then get so bad that they didn't even like it. They didn't like what they had started. Right. And it was like, oh my, it was this revelation to me of like, oh my gosh, not only do I need to maintain and manage my class for the sake of the lesson and the good quote unquote good kids Mm -hmm. even the quote unquote bad kid I don't want to call them bad kids but just for the sake of this analogy the bad kids I'm protecting them from themselves yeah and I had to see that for myself to realize that's what I was doing Mm -hmm. and I also had to see the progression of okay it starts here with little things and then over the course of weeks leads to much bigger misbehaviors. But it yeah. always starts small. Um, yeah. And so even even at, so like, for example, at the beginning of this school year, mm-hmm. I'm a third year teacher now, like on the first day of school, I had a kid who like had some trash and he like threw, no, it was a pencil. Like his friend needed a pencil. so like, I'm going to share a pencil. It's like, okay, fine. But like he throws it across the classroom as I'm talking and it like lands on the floor first year teacher me would have been like hey come on man don't do that and like pick up the pencil and move on but like i've learned that that behavior toss i'm sh- i'm sharing a pencil with my classmate mr floyd that little thing yeah is code for if you let me get away with this I'll it's gonna be throwing else. pencils yeah it's gonna be bringing food in and dropping food all over the floor it's I can do whatever I want I can interrupt Mr. Floyd I can be a distraction and it escalates into now I have major uh, misbehavior on my hands and I'm not saying this from like just a slippery slope mindset I'm saying this like I've seen this I watched this happen yeah in my past and so now those little things I have to say no you don't do that. And it's not like I yell at the kid in front of the class, but like I might pull them out at the end and say like, hey, I know it's the beginning of the school year and you did that. That is not cool. And I need you to not do that. And of course, I'm going to like approach that professionally yeah. and kindly. Yes. But I'm going to be way firm more clear it. and firm on like we don't do that. Um, and then if it happens again, then it's like instead of being like, hey, I remember I told you not. It's like, no, you. I told you once.
1: Now Once is enough. Is a consequence. Yeah, there's
0: this whole three strikes and you're out thing is like we all speak the same language, right? Like I spoke English when I said don't throw the pencil. And so if you throw the pencil again, like you're out. It's like I'm calling your parents. I'm emailing the prince, you know, or I'm doing something where like I'm calling their coach, right? I'm bringing your coach in instead of you giving you a second warning. It's like no, we're at consequences already because if I don't show that bite – that fortitude or that aggression quote unquote that Peterson's talking about then like
1: it devolves it
0: devolves and yeah. the maybe I could say the status of the classroom starts to fall and the success of the classroom starts to fall starts to fall yeah so if I can like make my class like something that's in its own dominance hierarchy like right we start to degrade and and fall apart yeah
1: so. well and I can't let you bring up this whole topic without bringing up what it always ties to in my brain of just how thankful I am that like we are going into parenthood after you've had three <laughs> years of teaching? Seriously. I mean, yeah. Because I think that there are some things that I've discussed, maybe not had to practice as hands on as you, but like discussed and seem more straightforward and easier for my personality type.
0: Yeah, your personality is much is quicker the, like, to just Nazi be like don't, rule person. I don't put up with crap. Right. That's Shaleen's personality yes. more than mine. Yes. Yeah. And
1: so so I found it awesome that like we didn't have to hit that with our kids and you're learning all of this. And I know that I'm gonna have more than my fair share of things to learn to be more like you, um, to parent well. But it's been cool to watch you discover without us having to like discuss it or even in a way to me feel like I have to teach you or like because I <laughs> just that's just not that's not going to work well. And so I've loved being able to see you walk through this in your classroom and see just the truths. Like, I don't know, I've had conversations with John and Bethany, some really good friends of mine who are getting ready to have their sixth child. Um and and they're just wonderful parents and they've talked about this exact thing that you're saying like there is no three strikes you're out. There is no like the in parenting right. there is no counting to three.
0: Yeah. No it's or, I told you or if I'm counting to three I literally mean it. There's no two and a half two and three quarters. Well yeah.
1: no and there's no counting to like they're literally to the extent of there's no counting to three. Okay. I said this. It means do it. Yeah. It doesn't mean OK one because that okay. each of those is a warning. I see what you're saying. And yeah. so like that very thing you're talking about and just meaning what you say and standing by it and staying consistent and reinforcing yeah. it. like I just, and I dare say that because you have been practicing this day in and day out, it's something for me to just say it and like it's my personality, so it's easier to go with. But I dare say that like you will be better at consistently enacting it. In a healthy way,
0: yeah, maybe. Than
1: I will to begin.
0: Yeah, well, it'll be it'll be quite the adventure. Yes, we'll find out. Because it's one thing for me to do to manage my classroom my way, because I'm the only teacher. It's another thing to co-parent with you. So I think that'll be an interesting thing. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because, like, I think that serves as a good example where aggression, quote unquote, can be used for what I'll call moral good. Mm -hmm. My aggression as a teacher, not to be mean to my students, but to stand my ground Mm -hmm. for the sake of of them and and their ability to learn in a civil classroom. Mm -hmm. um, Like is a good thing. Mm -hmm. And if I was a pushover as a teacher, then I would not be a good teacher. Right. Being nice to a fault to where people walk over you causes Um, doesn't make you a better person right and i I think that's kind of what one example of what peterson's getting at yeah he
1: it's it's a much broader thing and deeper he goes a lot deeper but yes that's an application Mm of it um yeah are we close to like
0: i know we're about we're at about an hour but i mean this i don't know i just find the ending of that chapter so interesting that the ability to be aggressive and, and then he goes even further and we don't necessarily have to unpack all of this, but like in order to have the fortitude to stand for what's right mm-hmm. and to stand up straight with your shoulders back as the chapter is titled, the ability to do that good stuff and to be a strong person necessarily, necessarily means you have to have the ability for wrongdoing mm-hmm. and malevolence, which is which, crazy, which is crazy, and that's a whole philosophical can of worms that you can get into, and I don't know if we want to get into that, but but it's just interesting how he's saying like, no, the ability to stand up and put your best foot forward and move forward in life requires a type of fortitude that could go either way, and the question is how you're going to enact it. Yeah. As opposed to whether or not you have this type of fortitude or that type of like good, good strength or bad strength. No, you have strength or you don't. But if you have strength, you have to realize that you have the ability to be evil within yourself, to do wrong things, to cause harm to others. Mm -hmm. But it's that same strength that gives you the ability to protect others Mm -hmm. or to stand up for what's right. Stand up for yourself. Yeah. So I just think that's a very interesting yeah idea. and he goes I think it's true
1: he goes way deeper into it and I think it's interesting because again I think I fall more under what he would title naive and mm. so he yeah well
0: and and naive. sorry I keep jumping in here but like I as a teacher naive applies to me I was naive and thinking if I'm super nice everyone will like me yeah and my class will go well yeah that was well, naive because that's not true if right. I if I let people walk over me and I'm just super nice and don't draw the line The class does not go well.
1: Right. Yeah. But I don't, I just, I just identify with the things that he addresses tonight because he says when naive people discover the capacity for anger within themselves, they are shocked sometimes severely. Sure. And I think I have these moments where when I feel anger or when I, I'm just like, what is going on? (laughs) And, And I, I don't know. I think there's more that could be unpacked there. Um, and I'm curious how that then integrates or contrasts, compares with biblical, you know? I'm just trying to think of, yeah. like, biblical passages that play with that idea. Yeah. Nothing is coming to the well, top of my I head, mean, but... Well, I mean,
0: here's the first thing is you go right to the beginning in Genesis. Yeah. Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil right and so the idea with that story is that when they ate of that fruit their eyes were opened and they realized oh we know what evil is now right and so the idea of that story whether you take it literally or not part of the meaning of that story is we humans have the capacity for both right for evil and for good Mm-hmm. And that is just a fact of all of us. We know both of them, and we know the difference inherently at some level. Even as kids, we know that being mean is wrong, and being nice and kind or whatever is good. Um, we have that capacity, and so I think that's one of I think that's one of the fundamental assumptions of Scripture. Hmm. Um, I don't oh, know. In Deuteronomy, it God yeah. speak God is speaking to His people. He says, "I put before you life and death." choose right you know and death is representative of evil um, yeah but then you tie it back to this hierarchy we're talking about death is at the bottom mm-hmm. right if you're at the bottom end w- we talked earlier about how it's physically dangerous mm-hmm. but if that spirals down and down you die you know if, if you don't have if your life is so terrible that your physical health fails yeah you know there is death and so and that that's um, analogous to to evil or wrongdoing or Things in your life opposing you to such a degree that you you can't go on. So, yeah, just some. Yeah. Ideas off the top of my head.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I want to read what he takes one paragraph to say what standing up straight with your shoulders back means.
0: Okay, so this will take us home. Yeah, right. I think so. To cap it all off.
1: Or it may bring up things that we haven't addressed
0: at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll have to be another episode. So I think we're going to wrap up, but, but yeah, he give, us says, this, give us this quote.
1: To stand up straight with your shoulders back is to accept the terrible responsibility of life with eyes wide open. It means deciding to voluntarily transform the chaos of potential into the realities of ha- habitable order. It means adopting the burden of self-conscious vulnerability and accepting the end of the unconscious paradise of childhood, where finitude and mortality are only dimly comprehended. It means willingly undertaking the sacrifices necessary to generate a productive and meaningful reality. And then in parentheses, he says, it means acting to please God in the ancient language.
0: Hmm. Yeah, please God. Yeah, so he kind of ties it into the biblical idea.
1: Yeah, so just... Being willing to accept responsibility, mm-hmm. with eyes wide open, and go into that. There's so much more in this chapter. People, you don't even.
0: Yeah. Oh, you don't one, even one know. other biblical thing: <laughs> mm-hmm. aggression. Also in Genesis, where where God is prophesying about the the serpent and and that yeah and, and the woman and stuff will crush uh, his head. Yeah, exactly. You will bite, so feel. like the, he says, the serpent will bruise yes. his heel, yeah. but he will crush his head. Yeah, and it's like talk about aggression crushing the head of evil but it's like is that not the ultimate good Mm -hmm. is not crushing evil what good is supposed to do Mm. right it's not like we go out and beat people like physically beat people up but as a metaphor for our lives by the goodness we live we crush the head of evil Mm -hmm. and so it's interesting that that is a very aggressive analogy yeah for what living a good life is. And so anyway, just another Hmm. thought there which is interesting.
1: But I think that's good. Yeah. We'll Well, have to
0: continue unpacking that as we go.
1: Yeah. I think we're at a good spot, love. I think that went well and better than the last time we did it. Oh my goodness. Yes.
0: More more discussion and stuff. So yeah. Uh let us know if you guys enjoy (laughs) hearing these discussions. I think we'll get better at it. You're dying. (laughs) (laughs) we'll get better at them as we go um but yeah um so i guess also as a clarifying thing there's 12 chapters in this book yes i'm not planning on the next 11 episodes being this whole book yeah no so we will intersperse other episodes with yes discussions about other stuff talking about movies having other people on you know we talked about education and different things in previous episodes so we will still be putting out variety well but we would i would like to intersperse the episodes moving forward with these discussions from this book. And at the
1: book, rate so. at which we are reading this book and then It's going to take some it, time. We are going to have you know. a baby. We're going to have like a two-year-old. <laughs> like maybe not When that we're long. done with the book. <laughs> but yes. But like so there's going to be some parenting episodes in there. There's going to be some just like a- blowout diaper stories. <laughs> like we have lots of content to intersperse. Right. Because boy howdy this has been a journey already and yep. we just now finished podcasting chapter one there you go
0: so this will be kind of a series we do but it's not just going to be every episode from here on out so yeah. stay tuned for lots of variety and all the stuff we are learning about and discussing and, and living through so yeah thanks for listening everybody yeah hope you enjoyed it Bye. Bye. say yeah yeah, yeah.